When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 11th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, heavy rains and floods in North Mississippi. Then enhanced unemployment benefits are set to expire. Plus, we'll check in with healthcare workers more than a year after COVID-19 first reached Mississippi. And a conversation with artist H.C. Porter. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB reporter Kobe Van spent yesterday in Carrollton, Mississippi, as floods pulled into the town's roadways and onto its into its homes. His recordings from that morning are populated with bird song and the sound of water. Tom Hearn lives in Carrollton. When Kobe spoke with him, nearly his entire property was flooded. Well, it come up. It, it got up on that porch. Yeah, it's about, it, about a foot. Yeah. yeah. It didn't get in the house, but it got up on that back step right there. I was looking at pictures uh, your, your daughter was showing me earlier, and she was, it looked just covering the entire yard. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was water full, as you could see, all around, right? all the way down the street, that yeah. football field. Just around the corner, they got the, uh, the that little thing over the ditch there that's falling out. Yeah, Have you seen that? out sometime last night, yeah. And so has a lot of this rain just come in the past 24 hours? Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, have you all had a problem with this kind of flooding before? Never this bad that I can know anything about. Thank the Lord it didn't get inside. I got a shop right across the street over there. It's just got water all the way through it. Oh, really? Tire shop. I mean, it's six inches of water all the way through it. Are you going to have to do a lot of repairs for that, you think? Yeah. Yeah, the, the floor has got a million rugs on some of it. I know it's floating. Mm-hmm. So it's, it ain't really bad, but it's, you know, water. Ken Stratton is the mayor of North Carrollton. He says he's not quite sure how much rain has fallen over the past few days. We're going to check with the National Weather Service and see what's accumulated over the time. But but it's been unusual. We had a flood back in 2019, and it done some damage, but it wasn't this bad. It it had done some damage, you know, and we put white rock here, which was used through FEMA funds that we filed in. And uh, in this area right here. 
So that's what we're going to try to do is do a declaration of emergency and then try to start recovering funds to build our infrastructure back and hopefully better than what it was. Mm-hmm. And so you said a lot of this has just happened recently. Like um, we're looking at a lot of dirt that got moved recently. All this, all this happened this morning. Yeah, all, all this morning. All this morning. It's this road. I, I traveled over before daylight this morning. And, uh, just, and, and this has been steadily happening since daylight. Just describing what I'm seeing right now uh, for radio listeners, uh, we got water. We got tons of water coming in on one uh, from one side of this. Uh, looks like I was supposed to go through that culvert right there, that, that pipe, uh-huh. and uh, just washed out underneath a road. Yeah. And it's now falling in about five feet deep, five mm-hmm. feet deep into that, and you got a big old. Maybe a 20-foot stretch of road that has now collapsed in on itself. And it, it started doing it in parts and sections all the way across. So y'all were able to stop before anybody had to drive over? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been, I've been out here since before daylight. I mean, we, we've been out here monitoring since before daylight. Uh, have y'all concerns for uh, down, down this creek anywhere? The, the creek, is, which is, is, I mean, full, a full capacity and everything. But, but, but right now, if the bridge and all is all right, I just went over there a minute ago. It's just... It's just taking a lot of water, and there's a lot of water in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And as far as residents go, are they okay right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been checking pretty much everybody. They, you know, some people have, you know, went to stay with some relatives and things like that. But, but we can't hit any reports any injuries or anything. Uh, for the people that did have some water damage, you think they're going to be able to get that involved in the, uh, get some? Well, what we doing, we doing. Uh, this is called for public assistance, and we'll we'll seek out to see it individual assistance, but see it. It, it has to meet a certain threshold, you know, to be able to get a federal declaration. But, yeah, we're going to try to pursue both angles, individual and public assistance, and working with FEMA to do that. Coming up, enhanced unemployment benefits are set to expire, but they may have changed Mississippi's job market for good. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Enhanced unemployment benefits are set to expire in Mississippi this Saturday. With them ends a unique year for Mississippi workers, many of whom received or could have received more money in unemployment than they otherwise would have made at their jobs. Coretta Frazier is CEO of a Mississippi-based staffing company. Speaking with Kobe Vance, she says the Enhanced Unemployment Program has put pressure on on employers to offer sweeter deals to job seekers. What we found, and just like some of the people that said with the Poor People campaign, which I am a supporter and I'm a part of the Poor People campaign, um, it almost makes sense to sit at home and take unemployment benefits because of the wages. And so with this outcry, um, basically restaurants, industries are having to lift their wages. And, you know, for them to lift their wages, other things have to happen as well. And so until some things beyond those um, restaurants and those restaurant owners and managers can be done, there will be that outcry constantly and forever. It's, it's, it's just seemingly um, inevitable for us to um, get people back into the workforce if it's a wage that won't even give them gas to get to jobs. And now Governor Reeves has chosen to end unemployment benefit or the federal unemployment benefits that are coming into the state, and that ends this weekend. Um, what are you expecting in the coming week in terms of people trying to get um, their jobs back or trying to find those low-wage jobs that they didn't want to return to possibly? I know. So it's so heavy because there's so many irons in that fire. There are people that don't even have skill sets to transfer into another job right now. And so um, if they don't have the skill sets or if they don't have the means of getting to work and those things, then they will be without income 
Um, there will be people that are able to go back to work and should be going back to work, but they're deciding not to because the wage is not enough. And so I, what I see is um, like a crash, a really big crash, because there were people that will be needing those um, funds because their jobs are not available. They don't have transferable skills or they don't have the opportunity right now immediately to get those skills transferred into something else. And so what do you think some of these people will be looking at um, in the coming weeks? Uh, and then how do you think that raising the minimum wage, the federal minimum wage, could help? So um, what, I, what I see happening immediately is people continually losing and having the struggle with poverty, losing homes, able to pay for their children's um, daycare so that they can go back to work. And so um, I also see where there will be people, if wages are increased, they'll be running to those jobs because it's what they need and they'll just be hoping for training. Um, a lot of people I feel are intimidated, you know, um, when going into the workforce, meeting the unknown and trying to understand what it is they got to do for organization because they don't have the skill set. So it's just a lot of collaborative efforts when it comes to workforce development and skills training and all of that. And, you know, leaders and organizations being empathetic and understanding what the needs are the people that are walking in their doors to service their customers. Now, those that are against raising the federal minimum wage say that why don't people just get a better job out there? Um, from In your experience, are there better jobs to get? There are better jobs, but like I said, you got to have the skill sets for those better jobs. An HR department, which I'm a human resource consultant, they're going to run you through an applicant tracking system. If you don't have the certain things on your resumes, if you can't go in there and interview properly, and you just won't get those jobs. Companies are in desperate need, but they're still choosing not to just hire any and everybody that said they need a job. Now, do you think that, um, what do you think is going to be the, the, the quick solution right now, or do you think there is no quick solution? So there are some solutions. Um, I look at it as employers, organizations, whether they're small business or large businesses, they're coming with a compensation package that can best benefit the person that they hire. If they sit down and interview with this person and this person is letting them know immediately, I got student loan debt, I got two, three children, which those are questions that are not supposed to be asked about you in an interview, but sometimes they come up. Sometimes you, as an HR professional or an organization, will learn those things and sometimes, most of the time, you already know some of their needs. Why not create packages? Why not create benefits and things that will um, benefit the person that you want in your door to get them there and to retain, and to retain them? Thank you for talking with us today. All right. Thank you. So is Coretta Fraser right about the future of work in Mississippi? Our Ashley Norwood spoke with Matt Rogers, who's the general manager of Shaggy's Restaurant in Biloxi. When we opened back up, it was a breeze. Um, people were eager to get back to work. We kind of did a, re, a reboot, if you will. We instituted a, uh, a new style of service. We instituted uh, all full-time employees are guaranteed $15 an hour. We uh, came back with benefits for those full-time employees. We did a lot of things different from the get-go. Um, I think it was back in last June when we were able to reopen. Why was it important um, to do a lot of things? Only, only as of late, mm -hmm. only as of late has it been difficult to uh, to get uh, new employees. You know, um, as we were building our team for the season for for summertime, it was difficult. But if I could get that prospect in the in the restaurant and pitch them uh, how Shaggy's does everything, mm -hmm. a lot of people were willing to come to work. 
So with with extra benefits ending for uh, those unemployed in Mississippi this weekend, what does that mean for your business, if anything at all? I'm fully staffed right now. So I don't know if I've just been lucky or if people have bought into what we have to offer. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully staffed for the season as of right now. Now, with the, the benefits, why was it important to make that change? The owners of Shaggy's wanted to do this for a while. And um, with the closure, you know, so the health benefits were already in place. It was just kind of postponed, actually, with, with the pandemic uh, and the shutdown. There was also a, a 401K that was put in that was about to get put into place, but the pandemic put the brakes on it. But they still went ahead and did the uh, did the it's full medical, dental, and health, and it's a uh, it's a Cadillac plan. It's really really good insurance, and it's very affordable for the employees as well. And then the fifteen dollars an hour, we work within a tip pool, so it's uh, it's created a, a great culture between the employees. They all work as a team, and uh, there's a lot of synergy. It's uh, it, it's it's really neat to see. Yeah, I'm sure there there may be other restaurants, uh, maybe even on the coast, that may not be uh, you know as well off as you are. They may be having to close because they don't have enough employees, or uh, maybe they're not paying their employees uh, fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, and just how maybe some job seekers may feel? I'm not quite sure how other people would feel and, you know, what strategies other businesses are, uh, are you know, have set forth. So, you know, with um, the plan with the $15 an hour and the benefits was to, you know, let those employees that we have know that they're appreciated, valued, and that, you know, we want them to not just be able to take care of themselves but to take care of their families and for it to be more of a, a career path than just another job. There's, there's empathy for those individuals that, uh, that no longer will have those benefits. But, you know, there's also benefits to, uh, to being able to find work. I know of a ton of places around the coast that are, are struggling to find people, and there are plenty of jobs out there. And you have, we've seen reported, you know, that with these benefits being available, available that some people have taken advantage of that. Um, have you ever felt uh, concerned about that? Or do you have an opinion on that? You know, there there may be a few bad apples out there that have taken advantage of it, but that's that's just the nature of the beast. You know, there are people out there that definitely need those benefits, but then there's there's going to be a few bad guys that you know will take advantage of the system, unfortunately. But that's that's with anything, you know. That was Matt Rogers. He's the general manager of Shaggy's in Biloxi. Coming up, healthcare workers reflect on the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. In the 15 months since the first coronavirus case appeared in Mississippi, more than 318,000 people have contracted the virus and over 7,300 have died. For months, medical professionals across the state devoted untold hours working to save the lives of those critically ill with COVID-19. MPB's Desiree Frazier talks to healthcare workers 
who reflect on how the experience has affected their lives. In the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, Latasha Green of Jackson recalls the influx of people coming to Rush Memorial Hospital in Meridian extremely sick. To see people take their last breath, to see people crying because they know that that they're dying. You're trying your best to save them. The registered nurse says in March of 2020, healthcare workers didn't know what Mississippians were contracting or how contagious it actually might be. Green, who has spent 25 years in the medical field, had never seen anything like this. In the midst of trying to save lives, she began to worry about her own safety because nurses were contracting coronavirus and some even quit their jobs. I strongly believe that nursing is a ministry. I strongly believe that we we as nurses have a duty to put people back on the battlefield. That's my job. They say we are essential workers, yes, but we are human as well. We have families, we have lives. Because of the staffing shortages, the 46-year-old explains she took care of at least five patients on every shift and had to wear a different set of personal protective gear for each patient. She says nurses were one of the few who could go into a patient's room. We have to go in the room to draw the lamp. We have to go in the room to feed them. We have to go in the room to bathe them. We have to go in the room to give them medicine, to change their IVs. And we have to dress from head to toe. Headgear, double mask, goggles, gown, gloves, feet gear, and then go in the room. And please don't forget anything because you have to undress, go out, dress again, come back in. After weeks of seeing people diagnosed with the coronavirus, she posted a video on Facebook expressing her frustration that some people weren't heeding COVID-19 warnings. Green says she was losing sleep, wasn't eating, and felt burnt out. She says she needed a change, something calmer. Green's now an occupational nurse, teaches a certified nursing assistant boot camp and CPR. She's also begun her own business. I love nursing. I love it. But it got to the point where I didn't anymore. I didn't want that on my conscience. I didn't want that on my con- I got to the point where I didn't even, I hated going to work. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that in me. Mississippi's first positive coronavirus case was diagnosed in Forest County. Dr. Stephen Stogner is a pulmonary and critical care physician at Forest General Hospital in Hattiesburg. In March of 2020, he says the best they could do was to treat the symptoms of the virus because there wasn't a known cure for COVID-19. Physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, we all felt helpless. The doctor explains they were used to treating diseases, but this one was different. He estimates 50 to 70 percent of people put on ventilators at the hospital died. Stogner says the loss of life took a toll on him and the rest of the staff. So you have the anxiety of the situation, including for yourself, but also your family. But then you had these patients who were basically on their deathbeds and their families couldn't be with them. And that's some of the saddest things I've ever seen and I have ever seen. And of course, that caused us, uh, you know, remorse. Stogner says they were working extra shifts and had to expand the ICU to accommodate the rush of patients. The 60-year-old says there were arguments among staff because tensions were high, but he says they pulled together and counseling was offered. During the crisis, he didn't realize he had neglected his own health. October last year, I got really ill, not with COVID, and had to have surgery and this, that, and the other, but there's no doubt that it was the stress of the preceding eight months. 
Stogner says he's fine now and has a greater appreciation for life. He adds changes have been made and procedures are in place to handle any future pandemic surge. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up, a conversation with artist H.C. Porter. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. On the next Mississippi Arts Hour, we'll hear from H.C. Porter, a Vicksburg-based artist known for colorful works that combine painting, printmaking, and photography. Speaking with the Mississippi Arts Commission, Porter reflects on the influences that have defined her career. First, I will say I am a Jacksonian, so a native Mississippian, and I've always been considered, I consider myself a Mississippi artist, telling stories of my home state that I love very much. Um, I guess my work, you could say, it it's kind of narrative and storytelling just about day-to-day trials and the tribulations. And I love to sort of rejoice in our simple accomplishments, you know, whether it's people hanging laundry or shelling peas or leaning on a fence or playing basketball in the back lot. It's just, I paint what I see. And for me, that inspiration has always been Mississippi heritage and culture. It's taken me all over the state and all over the nation telling our story. Well, you're certainly a huge cultural ambassador um, for Mississippi and and getting getting the word out there in a new, interesting way. And your work is so attention-grabbing in and of itself. Um, I feel like it really draws people in and ask, starts asking those questions, you know, about this place that you're capturing. Um, tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, growing up and, and when, what were kind of those early experiences in the arts um, or even uh, just experiences in general that, like you said, you saw and you wanted to reflect in some way? Well, you know, it's interesting. The, my process starts as a photographer, right? So I take my photograph first, and I silkscreen the work onto paper, and I come back with lots of colorful layers of acrylic paint and Prismacolor pencil. Think Andy Warhol, but with Southern roots, right? So you've got this bright, bold, high contrast with lots of layers of color, and that first initial exposure to photography came at a very early age. Uh, I was a student at Madison Ridgeland Academy, so I had art, fortunately, in the classroom for years. But when I was about 14, my mom had been given a camera, just a really early, like Olympus manual camera for Christmas. And she promptly turned to me and said, hey, Chrissy, this is not really something that I want to pursue here. So then she sent me off to um, Millsaps College to take some sort of adult ed type 
photography classes. I fell in love with it, the dark room, the whole process. I became my uh, yearbook annual photographer at school. I saved my money to get my dark room in place. And all of that was happening on the backdrop of also being exposed to wonderful Mississippi photographer Eudora Welty and her images and just so seeing, as you said, seeing the place. So once I had camera in hand, um, I was also, as I said, exposed to my art classes. So I was involved in the scholastic arts competitions in high school and later went on and received a scholastic art competition um, as a portfolio winner, went to the University of Alabama on an art scholarship. So that um, was my first step into becoming really what I had always wanted to be, and that was a professional artist. Hear more from H.C. Porter on the next Mississippi Arts Hour this Sunday at 5 p.m. on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.